Well, we have been looking at the fruit of the Spirit for some time, and we've looked at different aspects of this super fruit, and today we'll continue by looking at gentleness, and I find it very ironic that a retired Marine is going to preach on gentleness, <laughs> and I really truly believe that Pastor John slipped this one in before he went to sabbatical, and he's laughing right now. Gentleness is something we, we often don't pray for. I mean, let's face it, we often associate it with weakness. We think of um, somebody who, who is just soft and not necessarily, we don't think of strength. But if we look at Scripture, we said Scripture defines gentleness with humility, not this inferiority. In fact, gentleness is born of power. It's this reasonableness or this considerateness. And as Christians, we are called to show Christ-like gentleness and strength through our gentleness with others. So our gentleness is, is meant to show our strength in Christ. And this was made abundantly clear the first time I went kayaking. So I'm going to go ahead. That's my kayak. I just bought a new kayak not too long ago. But the first time I went kayaking was a few years ago. My father-in-law, we, we had moved here, and we were visiting, and he decided to take us down to the Ipswich River, and we were going to um, go kayaking, so we rented some kayaks, and he, got, he had this guide, and so we, we went to go there, and my daughter, Madison, was very young at the time, and she was afraid to get in a kayak, because my father-in-law happened to mention sharks or something like that, and, um, and so she was worried that the kayak would tip, and as the instructor's telling her, it's virtually impossible to tip these things over. I'm sitting in the cockpit of the kayak and I go whoosh, and I fall right into the water. And the problem was is I wasn't gently entering the kayak. I jumped in there with my, myself, which is very difficult if you weigh over 200 pounds and you try to fit into a kayak. Not the easiest thing in the world. And I just figured, well, no big deal. Um, and I muscled my way in and I, and I flipped right over. And just like a kayak that is subject to the movement of the water, so is a human heart to the circumstances of life. People must be handled with care. And today what I want to do is I want to look at three aspects of fruitful gentleness. Specifically, I want to explore the source of our gentleness, what gentleness looks like, and how we can apply gentleness to our everyday. So let us pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we bless you. We entreat you by the power of your Holy Spirit to just reveal to us the things that we do not know. May we just learn what it means to be gentle, gentle like our Savior Jesus. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we see is fruitful gentleness is grounded in relational security. And as we look in Scripture, we see that eternal relational security precedes fruitful gentleness, true fruitful gentleness. And so we're here in Matthew 12, and I want to give the context. So Jesus has begun his ministry, and it's the Sabbath day, and he goes and he heals someone on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees are furious with him, and they go and they confront him. And in verse 14, this is the first time we read something, we see in verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. <laughs> So he has this running with the Pharisees, and he knows the heart of the Pharisees, and they go out and they plot to kill him. 
So how does Jesus respond? We see verse 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him. And he healed all who were ill. He responds in gentleness. He responds by healing people. He doesn't respond in a natural way. If someone's plotting to kill me, I'm not just going to withdraw and be like, respond in gentleness. That's not my natural tendency. And for the eternal son of God, he had every right to judge their hearts and what they were doing. But yet, he does not at that particular time. He goes into response in gentleness by healing. So how is Jesus able to respond in that way? We see verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. This is the Father speaking. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, who I've selected, the one I love, the one I cherish, my beloved, in whom I delight. I have this high degree of pleasure and satisfaction. I will put my spirit on him. We see that Jesus is able to proceed in gentleness because Jesus is 100% secure in his relationship with the eternal Father and empowered by the eternal Spirit. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit have been in this eternal love relationship from eternity past. And he's secure in that love. He's secure in the love of the Father and empowered by the Spirit. And because of that eternal security, he's able to proceed in gentleness. He's also able to proclaim justice to the nation. He's able to remain focused on the mission and have this inner confidence and strength manifested in gentleness. We read verse 19. He will not quarrel. It means he won't be disruptive and angry or cry out loud with his hard, uh, hard harsh voice. He's not going to cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. The connotation is here is, is that he will not make a public spectacle of himself using harshness. And so we see that security, relational security, equals gentleness. Relational insecurity equals harshness. And we see this in our, in our own relationships, and we'll talk more about that. So the question I have for us, though, is how do we get grounded in this relational security like Jesus so that we can have this gentle strength? Well, it starts with stepping in the cockpit. You know, you got to step into that cockpit when you go into your kayak. you got to enter in to that cockpit. And for us, we must enter in to a relationship, the source of our gentle strength, Jesus Christ. We must have a relationship with him. And here's the thing. Jesus left the security of his relationship with the eternal father so that we could be grafted in to this triune love relationship in Christ. Jesus Secure in his Father's love and in communion with him and the Spirit, the Father and the Spirit, goes and he's sent down and he lives a perfect and righteous life. He enters into our suffering. And he's nailed to a cross. And when he's nailed to that cross, all of a sudden, heaven and earth come together on that cross. And he bears the weight of our sin the first time that he's ever felt this. Yes, the physical pain of the cross was excruciating. But it's this emotional pain. He feels the weight of our sin, your sin and mine. But not just that. This is the first time that he feels the wrath of the Father upon him because of our sin. He feels it. He never felt that before. That's what he's anguishing about in the garden. And he dies. But three days later, he's resurrected. 
And this is the Father saying, I accept that sacrifice. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are no longer destined for hell, but we're destined for heaven, grafted in to this eternal triune love relationship forever. We must enter into that relationship with Jesus. There is no other way. Now, some of us are in the cockpit. We're in Christ. We've been walking with Christ for a while. But we're insecure. We're insecure in that relationship. You know, there's something interesting. When you start, when you enter into the cockpit of a, of a kayak and you start moving around, the kayak actually becomes an extension of you. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, but waves come and, and you just kind of go with it and you get used to the motion because that, that kayak becomes this, this extension of you. And I, was, I, I felt this when I, was, when I was at the Merrimack a few weeks ago. Boats are going by us, me and my father-in-law, and I'm just kind of going with it. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm not worried about the waves because I'm just kind of going with it. But when you're not secure in that cockpit, in that kayak, and you try to compensate, that's when bad things happen. When you go, you don't feel that. And some of us, that's where we're at. We're not secure in that. We're not pursuing that. And I want to make this very clear. The source of our horizontal dysfunction with one another and lack of gentleness is rooted in the vertical insecurity of our relationship with the triune God. So when we have issues with other people, the systemic issue is there's an issue with us and our relationship with God. And when we have that issue, it manifests itself in some pretty unhealthy behavior towards one another. And it, it especially happens in the most intimate relationships that we have. I'll be honest with you. I didn't realize how much of a jerk I was until I got married. <laughs> and I really didn't. I was like, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good guy. And I get married. And this is not a hit on Erica. This is just saying, like, I realize I'm not gentle. I'm not a You guys are laughing because you know it's true. Some of us, it's our friends. Maybe if we're not married, we have friends that we're really close with, that we can say anything to. And we realize just how much of a jerk we are because of our reaction during those, those relationships. Last week was, was Father's Day. And some of us have mixed feelings about days like that. And I've shared some of my struggles about my dad but I also started thinking um, last Sunday and then this week about me being a father. My kids are adults. And I think to myself, did I mess them up? Like, there's insecurities in that. Did I mess them? I wasn't around a lot. Did I mess them up? And I don't know what you feel. I don't know what you've been feeling this week. I don't know what you felt last Sunday when you were thinking about this. But I want to encourage you. If you put your faith in Christ, that means you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And this truth in verse 18 is for you. Hear what the Eternal Father has to say to you. You are my servant, my chosen, specially selected one that I dearly love and cherish. I delight in you and experience pleasure when I think of you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when the Father sees you, he sees the righteousness of his Son, and that truth is yours. You could be secure in that. 
The question is, is do you believe that? Do you believe that? <clears throat> Friends, it's, it's time to start living in the secure reality of our eternal relationship with the triune God of Christ. So this is the source. This is the source of our gentleness. But what does gentleness look like? We know the source, but what does it look like? Give me something tangible. Well, that leads me to my second point. Fruitful gentleness is founded in Christ-like tenderness. My father-in-law is 70 years old, and he's been kayaking for years, and so we go kayaking, and as soon as we, we hit the river, I start muscling it. I'm just going for it. And I'm like, I'm just, my energy level is just high, and I'm starting to wear out. And here's this 70-year-old man just flying past me in his kayak. And he looks like he's not even doing anything. He's just kind of leisurely, gently just paddling. What's going on here? He had, he had you, he'd learned how to gently stroke in a way that, that really propelled him and, and gave him more strength in the water. So I was looking to him on how he was doing that. And for us, as we look to gentleness and how are we to be gentle and have strength and gentleness, we look to Jesus, the pinnacle of fruitful gentleness. Verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. A bruised reed he will not break. A bruised reed. A reed is a big piece of grass. You see him at the salt marshes. And a bruised reed is one that's kind of hanging over. Oftentimes that, that happens when I go kayak because I bull right through them. <laughs> but many of us are bruised reeds. It seems like every time we turn, one other thing is happening. We turn this way, another thing happens. We turn this way, another thing's happening. It just seems like life is just dealing, doling out. Blow after blow. And we feel like bruised reeds. And Jesus is saying, you can come to me. I'm not going to break you. I'm not going to break you. He says, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. It's like a candle, that wick of a candle where there's no flame there, but you can see the ember just ever so slightly. Some of us, our faith is like that. We know Jesus is there, but we're like, we're on the verge. And Jesus says, come to me, and I'll fan the flame, fan your flame, give you the oxygen so that you can be on fire for me. And even if that's not you today, all of us encounter broken and smoldering people in our everyday. There might be someone right next to you right now who's like that way. So what does treating others in Christ-like fruitful gentleness look like? So what I want to do is I want to compare. I want to, I want to kind of make it this little tangible and compare and contrast a few things. I want to compare an insecure weakness that often manifests itself in very bad behavior towards one another, with secure Christ-like strength and gentleness. So the first thing, an insecure weakness is to be so strongly opinionated that people are afraid to express their opinions in your presence. You're just so strongly opinionated. You have an opinion on everything. And you're going to make sure that everyone knows about it. Secure Christ-like strength and gentleness actively seeks to make others feel at ease or restful in our presence. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, this is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, 
all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do people come to you in order to have an encounter with Jesus and find rest? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Second, an insecure weakness is to change someone's mind through domination, intimidation, or humiliation. We're going to take whatever measures that we can make to change this person's minds. No tactic is off the table here. But secure Christ-like strength and gentleness restores personal dignity and respect for the other person, no matter how wrong the person is. We see in Matthew 9, 9 through 13, Jesus is eating with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus knows that they're wrong. He knows that they're wrong, but he sits with them. He eats with them. He communes with them so that he can restore this personal dignity. They're banded together because they've been outcast. And Jesus is a, a, a amidst them, loving them. He's not agreeing with what they're doing, but he's there so that he can speak truth to them in gentleness. So the question for us is, do people outside the church want to spend time with you because of your Christ-like gentleness? Do they seek you? I mean, do they seek you? They say, you know what? I don't really believe in this whole Jesus thing, but I really like spending time with you. Because this is transformational, folks. And this is true strength. Third, an insecure weakness is to be blunt, abrupt, tell it like it is, or my favorite, with all due respect. <laughs> when someone says, with all due respect, you can get ready to get blasted after they say that. It's like carte blanche to just say whatever. Regardless of feelings or personal fallouts. Yet secure, Christ-like strength and gentleness speaks truth in love. We see Jesus in John 4. During the midday arid sun, desert sun, he approaches the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and she's by herself. And even to this day, modern day in the Middle East, women do not go midday to the well to get water. They go in the morning time when it's cool, and it's, time, it's, it's that time that the, uh, the women converse with one another, and it's fellowship time for them. And so they walk, and they talk, and they do all that stuff, and they get water. Yet this woman's by herself. She's been ostracized. And Jesus goes to her, and he speaks to her tenderly. He speaks truthfully, bringing her back to spiritual truths, truths about who she is and the living water that she needs. But nonetheless, he speaks truth in love. And the fact is, friends, for many people, they're never going to step foot in this church. And the only encounter with Jesus that they'll have is with you and me. And we're called to be gentle with them. So the question is, is do we give those people the hope of victory in Christ? Do we give it to them? Do we show that gentleness? Finally, an insecure weakness is to belittle or gossip about a brother or sister who has fallen into sin. Some brother or sister in our congregation falls into sin, and instead of coming alongside of them, we, we gossip about them, we belittle them. And this one bothers me the most. It bothers me the most because we know better. Secure Christ-like strength and gentleness grieves for our brother and sister. 
prays for or prays with and seeks reconciliation and restoration. We see in John 21, Peter's totally blown it. Totally blown it. But what happens? Jesus restores him. He doesn't just belittle him or gossip about him. He restores him. And instead of condemning, we need to fall on our faces and pray. Pray to God that our fellow brother or sister will stop being miserable and stop in this life of life-dominating sin. That's what we're called to do. You know, when I go kayaking, with my, especially with my father-in-law, I get into all sorts of trouble. I get caught up in the reeds. Or I get caught up in some little mud bog thingy. And my father-in-law comes alongside me. And he just stays alongside me. As long as it takes to kind of guide me out of that. And for us, for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are caught in, in sin, we must be willing to gently come alongside as they pursue this road to restoration and reconciliation. That's what we're called to do. So let me ask you, as I was comparing and contrasting, how did you do? How did you do? Are you gentle? I got a personal confession. I'm not that gentle. I'm not. As I'm writing this, I'm like, why? Why are you bringing this up to me, Lord? I'm not that gentle. Pray for me in this. Please. Now we've talked about the source of our gentleness and what it looks like. But how can we apply this to our everyday? That leads me to my final point. Fruitful gentleness is unbounded servant leadership in your everyday. So if you could turn, turn to Matthew 20 through 28. We see that gentle, unbound servant leadership is the Jesus way of life. And that's what Jesus is, is asking us to enter into. And to give you context in Matthew 20, Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. He's about ready to enter Jerusalem and uh, Passion Week is about ready to, to take place. And Jesus has been talking about his death numerous times. He's like, check this out. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And the, the disciples are like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. Um, you're going to set your kingdom up. That's what you're going to do. And they're thinking in nationalistic terms. They're still thinking that Jesus is going to crush the Romans and going to stand up and he's going to establish this new uh, Jewish nation that's going to rule the world. That's what their mindset is. And so in verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 20 through 28, we see that the, the disciples, James and John, James and John are given a nickname by Jesus. They're called the Sons of Thunder. They're called the Sons of Thunder because they weren't gentle. Thunder's not gentle, right? So they would enter into these places and people wouldn't listen to them as, as they were doing their ministry with Jesus. And when they wouldn't listen to him, James and John would say, Jesus, call fire down on them. Just call fire, destroy them. They didn't want to mess around. So Jesus said, they called them the Sons of Thunder. So these two sons of thunder, these two mama's boys, send their mother, because they're sons of thunder, they send their mother and say, speak to Jesus for me, because we want to be on his right and his left in this kingdom he's going to set up. And so 
their mom goes to him and says, hey, can you put my boys on your right and your left hands? And he's like, you don't know what they're, you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm about ready to drink? And they're like, we sure can. And he's like, okay, you're going to drink it. Basically saying, this is how you're going to die and suffer. And then this is what he says in verse 26. He says, whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servants. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And we see that Jesus says, oh, you want to be great in my kingdom? Then you need to be gentle. And Jesus gives us a mission and a motivation. He says, first, you must be a servant. Greek word is diakonos, a minister, someone who waits and attends to the needs of others. This is our mission. And it's not any grandiose need. It's just everyday needs. This is stuff we encounter in our everyday. We wake up early and maybe our spouse sleeps later than we do. And so we can serve them by not being a bowl in a china shop. Or we could go and we could, you know, open a door for someone. In our, in our work, it's encouragement. It could be just these little things. Nonetheless, we're serving them. We're called to be ministers to whoever God has put in our life. And we're called to be gentle ministers. So he gives us a mission. He also tells us the motivation. He says the fervency of our servant leadership is shown by Jesus calling us to be slaves. A different Greek word, doulos. He's saying, you need to be totally sold out for this. This is Jesus calling us into a life of service. Fervent service for one another. Gentle service. Now some of you might be saying, okay, so what you're telling me, Brian, is do good stuff. What's the difference between you saying it and someone not in the church saying it? Isn't it just the same message? No. Because it's all about who we're doing it for. The fact is, is we're not doing this service for our glory. We're doing it for the glory of God. Because we've been called on this mission. I've said this before. But mission exists because worship doesn't. And we're called to serve in mission, wherever he's placed us gently, for the worship and the glory of his name, not ours. It's about worship. It's an orientation of the heart to him. It's all about him. It's all about giving glory to him. And I'm going to tell you, people aren't going to deserve it. They're not going to deserve it. You're going to sit there and go, they don't deserve me serving them that way. And they're not. They don't. We're not lovable people most of the time. I know you think maybe, but I'm going to be honest with you. Really, if we, we get inside our hearts and we, we really, we got some issues. We're not the most lovable people. But God's telling us to serve, lovable, uh, serve unlovable people for the glory of his name. They're not going to deserve it, but here's the thing. We didn't deserve it either. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. We didn't deserve what Jesus did on the cross. He served us to a point of death so that we could have eternal life in him. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Yet he did it. The way of Jesus is dying to yourself through humble, gentle, unbound service to those God have put in your life. And there's people in your life right now that you're thinking, and Jesus demonstrated this, this act of servant leadership on the cross. 
And this shows strength and it takes strength. When we go and serve others as Jesus serves, as he's called us to serve, this takes strength. And friends, we don't have the strength on our own. We just don't have it. So we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit first to just see the needs that he's placed before us and to give us this gentle strength to meet the needs as he provides them. And when we do so, this will be true gentle strength. Now, as I was kayaking, and I saw my father-in-law, I saw how he kind of did this push-pull thing with this, the, the paddle. It wasn't enough just for me to talk about it and watch him do it. I had to do it. And so I started to, to do it. I had to trust that. Because, again, my natural inclination is just to muscle it. And so I want to challenge you this week. I want you to commit to praying for opportunities, that God would reveal these opportunities to you. And I just want you to do one gentle act of service this week. Just one. And here's the thing. It's, I can guarantee you, we heard the testimonies here. Tina mentioned it. She said, I get more out of going on this mission than, than, uh, than the kids do. I, I go out there and God just works in my heart. And I'm going to tell you, when you serve God in faith in your everyday, that's what happens. Transformation happens. So when you put yourself out there and when you worship God through service, this is going to be more transformative for you than it will be for anyone you serve. I can guarantee you that. God guarantees you. Guarantees that. As I close, I just want to close up with this. This is a book called The Loveliness of Christ. It's by an old English Puritan uh, pastor named Samuel Rutherford. This is what uh, Samuel Rutherford says. He says, Acquaint yourself with Christ's gentleness, and you shall not miss to find new gold mines and treasure in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We bless you. This is all for your glory. This isn't about us. This is about you. Give us the eyes to see the opportunities that you've placed before us. Give us the strength to be gentle like your son. Lord, as we go and we serve and as we are gentle towards those that don't deserve it, may you give us an awareness of your Holy Spirit. May you encourage us. May we not get discouraged by this. May we not get discouraged by doing good. Yet may we be focused that every act that we do is a sacrifice to worship you. Be with us, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.